So you're listening to the Food and Fitness Podcast, the show all things related food and fitness. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at food.fitnesspodcast. We're your hosts, Dave Marshall, Jackie Vandertoon, and Jessica White. On today's podcast, we are joined by Brent Diaz. He's a distance runner, a husband, father of four, and he works as a coordinator, uh, or yeah, a coordinator therapist as a trauma therapy program working with newcomers and refugees to Canada. But wait, there's more. He also teaches part-time, does several university courses in their social work department. And Brent, you've completed your bachelor's of arts in social development studies and honors in bachelor, sorry, an honor in bachelor's of social work and your master's in social work. Is that pretty much, does that cover everything? pretty much yeah that's it i don't know how you have much time left for anything else but uh brent i really want to thank you for coming on uh today's episode uh you and i have actually known each other for quite a few years uh it's been a while since we've met in person not just because of the pandemic but also just from distance of moving but uh, i do want to say thank you for coming um i really i'll start off here um by saying asking why did you pick the field that you're in what what drew you to social work yeah, I mean, um, right from my earliest memories, uh, I don't know where it came from necessarily, but I just had this desire to want to help people. I mean, I can remember being like a little kid thinking like this, like just wanting to be a help somehow. Um, so I originally wanted to be a doctor because I thought I figured that was the way that you do this, right? You doctors help people. And in my little brain, that's all I kind of knew about. So, um, so, you know, I actually started to go that route in my studies just in high school but then when I hit uh, high school science and it started to get really dense into like biology and chemistry like I just hated it (laughs) so I was like I don't think I can really keep doing this for the next like decade and a half of studies so then I I kind of pivoted and social work was kind of on my on my uh on my radar as a a possibility of, of a possible way to help people so um so yeah it was strange things I mean there's other stories I could tell you about me as a little kid in family crisis, being like a little nurturer, like taking care of adults who were injured or whatever. Right. And, um, and it was just, it just came naturally to me somehow. So um, it's just always been an interest and I've been really interested in, in just pursuing that. Um, and then there's the additional piece around the work that I'm doing. Like you mentioned, I, I coordinated program for newcomers and refugees, a trauma counseling program. And um I've always been really interested in different cultures. I myself, like I'm made up of different cultures. My family is very, there's different cultures all within it. And so always been fascinated about that. Grew up in Toronto and Scarborough, surrounded by refugee kids, actually, and immigrant kids as well. Uh, I myself am actually an immigrant technically too. And, um, and so I've always been really interested just in learning about different cultures and hearing about different people. And um, yeah, so just uh, for, the, for those two worlds to kind of come together, you know, helping people, but then also being able to learn about different cultures as an adult. Um, it's just been, it's just been amazing, really, really fascinating. So, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's what it is too. And, you know, I mean, I kind of mentioned too, too, that, you know, I think that some of this is also spurred on just by my faith background and just believing that, you know, one of the reasons why I'm here is to, you know, to, to help people and that it somehow spiritually not only helps other people, but helps me too. So there's that element too, but um, but even before I really uh, went any kind of spiritual route, I had this this passion to help people. So that's essentially where it came from, I guess. That's amazing. That's a, and that's I a think great story. You're you're talking about people, but it's it's the relationships too, right? 
Um, like I'm sure your field has an emphasis on relationships, you know, the trust, the personal connection that you build with those people. Um, so how has in this crazy pandemic world, um, how has that impacted your ability to do your job when you don't have that? Well, I'm, I'm assuming, but you might not have that face-to-face real connection. How has that yeah. impacted? Well, exactly. You've nailed it. I mean, we, I haven't met face-to-face with a client since March, 2020. So that's, so it's definitely changed a lot. Like it's been a lot of zoom, like we're doing today and phone calls as well. A lot of my clients actually, they don't have uh, the technology or the understanding of technology to do phone work or even the comfort level in some cases too, in some cultures. So it's, it's all been online or, or again, on the, even just the phone itself. So that's been a huge piece. And you're right, like so much of the work that I do is really based off of building a relationship of trust with people, particularly people who've had their trust broken in a lot of ways. A lot of my clients, that's been their story. And so I come in as this guy to like work with them on this stuff. And that requires them to really put a lot of trust in me. And, um, and so what we have to do is we have to figure out a way to build trust over the airwaves or over the, over the phone, oftentimes with interpreters too, which is another kind of a challenge that you have to, to kind of work with. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it's definitely been a challenge, um, but one that I think, you know, been able to figure out in a lot of ways for a lot of people and um, been able to, yeah, to make those connections with people, just working harder at it. Right. Like, and uh, one of the classes I actually teach is a course on counseling skills. And um, I emphasize this so much, like I'm, I'm teaching it right now from one of the universities locally here. This, just this whole idea of connecting with clients and how important it is and how so much of the work actually happens in that, in that realm of connecting with people. Um, and so even if it takes extra effort or even if you have to really um, work a little bit harder to make that connection, like to let the client know, hey, I actually know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm tracking with you. I understand what you're saying. I'm here with you. Um, it's totally worth it for that extra effort because then you're able to, to see change and help them to meet their goals. So, yeah. so yeah, just, just totally, that's totally been my passion for the work and um, something that, that's definitely been impacted by the pandemic. Um, another thing that, that I've also noticed is that a lot of people are struggling, obviously. A lot of people are struggling with mental health right now. And so you already have people who have really complex histories, lots of anxieties, uh, lots of different things going on in their lives that they've dealt with in the past and even currently. And then you have all this added layer of the pandemic stuff on so many levels, right? And, and I probably don't need yeah. to, we don't need to go into detail about all of it. But um, so just that higher kind of level of anxiety people have, uh, mental health, people really struggling, uh, particularly last year, but even this year too, as things kind of keep going. But especially last year, people really, really were isolated, um, kind of just in their homes, and uh, they'd be on the phone with me or on Zoom, and this was like the only connection they would have all week. Um, it was, uh, it, it really impacted people. So I would say that that really impacted, it kind of changed the work um, a little bit, because it wasn't just so much focusing on the past stuff, it was also focusing on, you know, present day, present day issues around COVID and, and the pandemic and lockdowns and things like that. Um and then there's other pieces too. I mean, I've had clients who've lost loved ones from COVID, right? Um, people who've had to, you know, stop working and then they've had to kind of provide for themselves in a different way. Like, you know, so there's all of those challenges too that people are dealing with as well. It's also a big part of it. Yeah. So what about some of the positives? Is there any positive or any light that's come out of the pandemic for you? Definitely. Yeah. Well, for me or for the clients? Just 
in, in general, anything that you've noticed. Yeah, <laughs> let's, sure. talk, let's talk about some of the positive things in life. Yeah, yeah. Let's not just be <laughs> negative about it, right? No. Well, for me personally, I actually love working from home. <laughs> All my work has been from home. Well, most of it. I'm not teaching an, an in-person class, which is a new thing again. Like, it's, it's amazing to have to do that. But, uh, but everything else that I do is, uh, is, is from home. And I actually really enjoy it. I love being around my family. I'm, I'm a little bit more available to them. And I'm kind of a homebody in some ways, even though I love traveling too, I also like being home. So that's, that's been a positive. Um, another thing too, like in terms of the clients too, like so many people have shown their resiliency in the middle of all these challenges that they've had. And so been able to point that out to them and they've been able to notice it and be like, yeah, you know, I can do this. I can actually, you know, I can actually manage this stuff. And like I said, it was kind of worse last year, but some people have been through the worst stuff from last year. And now they're, they kind of see themselves as survivors, like, okay you know, I can deal with this. Like, you know, I, I've got this, I got it figured out. So that's been a really amazing part of it too, for sure. That's amazing. It's nice to hear that there is some positive that's come out of all definitely. of the chaos. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And people are finding creative ways of uh, connecting too, right? Uh, one of the things that I'm doing is uh, really quickly, I don't know how much you want me to elaborate, but one of the things I'm doing is uh, I'm running a group for a particular cultural group. It's a trauma group. Uh, for a particular culture group that's had incredible amount of trauma, I won't go into any detail about it at all, but just trust me, it's it's like the worst of the worst stuff that you could imagine. And they, I don't know if they would ever access being in a group together, like if it was in person, like I just don't know if they would ever bother. But in Zoom, they can do it, right? And so we have this opportunity to provide like a, a kind of like a healing space for them to do their trauma work and connect with each other and the facilitators and so having opportunities like that, being creative, connecting with people in different ways, um, and maybe in ways that maybe people will actually give it a try, right, has been really awesome. So I've been able to help design programs that people find accessible that way, which I don't think we would have done if it wasn't for the pandemic. So, so yeah, there's, there's uh, positive things that have come out of it for sure. Brent, you've said some things here that I get so excited about. And I just, I could spend hours talking to you now. Um, But one of the the themes I've kind of noticed from this podcast is a lot about connectedness. And, um, and you mentioned that a couple of times about connectedness. And I know for myself, um, one of the things that's been a lifesaver for me is I have a group and we run together every Thursday in the pandemic, which was great. And then we went and we did cross-country skiing in the winter. And then we did mountain biking. And it's a thing to look forward to every week. On the flip side, one of the things I'm super interested in is loneliness. And uh, how I'm super lucky because I have this group. But I think there's a lot of people out there that's really lonely. How do you see physical activity or, or fitness, or even with the clients you work with, how do you help bridge that gap with that loneliness when Zoom's great, but I can't reach out and touch you and that connection is not necessarily there? How do you integrate that with your clients who are lonely, particularly yeah. those who are refugees? Right. Yeah. It really is about um, trying to figure out like what personal resources they have. So in other words, what friends or actual connections, maybe family members that they have close by that are like safe to to reach out to like I mean there was a point maybe there still is in the pandemic where we weren't even sure like if it was safe for us to meet together with people right like um and so now you know maybe we have better understanding of of what is manageable what's possible and how to do it in ways that that it's okay right so so yeah encouraging for instance these group members encouraging them to 
to maybe meet together, just even one-on-one, right? Or if it's if it's in the point where it's just a household, right? Like to encourage people to meet with people in their household or to, to look at their household in a different way, not just, oh, these are people that I live with and I have to take care of, but, you know, actual people you can kind of spend time with and build that, that kind of human connection and almost that tactile, like hugging and being affectionate, you know? obviously if it's a if it's a safe relationship um but for for for, for people who are living alone um definitely yeah zoom isn't great phone isn't great but certainly if it's all that they have and it's all they can really manage and definitely encouraging people to keep building that and um and also having them to be curious about like even just people in their neighborhood or people who are really close by that they can connect with so it's all about just encouraging people helping them to kind of break out of that comfort zone of or not even comfort zone but that rut of just being by themselves and kind of putting themselves out there again, um, in ways that make sense for them. So, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. So, um, as people on this podcast known as Dave and Jess know, I live with an ultra marathoner, uh, and you know, we're talking about hundred miles. And so a lot of my, my friends are, you know, ultra marathoners. And for me, it's just a normal thing when they talk about doing a 50 K this weekend, Uh, But but for most people, it's like, what is your problem? And so in talking to my my friends, um, they deal with their mental health issues kind of with running. And and I'm just I'm not, you know, saying that you have mental health issues, um, but I'm curious as to what got you into running and what you get out of running from, you know, not just the physical perspective, but the mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, well, I can say uh, like the second part of your question that running has been a massive part of my self-care, especially during the pandemic. It's been irreplaceable um, and just in terms of how it's helped me to deal with like the stress of work. Like I'm dealing with really heavy issues. Like I'm talking about all the strengths and the, you know, the, the cool things about it, but there's some heavy stuff that's come up for sure in my work. And, you know, I mean, I'm human. I have, especially last year, concerns and worries, what the heck was going on here. Um, but running is just a, has been an amazing way for me to reset, like, you know, almost every day to just, you know, kind of clear my head and uh, feel good physically too, and give me energy. It's been massive. So I can't, uh, I can't say that enough. Um, and that's been another, one of the interesting things about the pandemic. Like, of course I ran before the pandemic regularly too, but I don't know if I really, um, noticed it as like how important it was for my own stress and management, you know? Um, compared to this year or this past year and a half when I like really noticed it and the days that I don't do it, I, I like really miss it. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I that definitely for me, it's definitely uh, something that's helped my mental health. I think big time it's helped me to have more space in my head and energy to, to then be there for other people and to really be present for them and to offer the assistance that I can. Mm. Um, but in terms of, of getting into running, I can't say it's, it was anything like that really. Uh, I don't think, uh, interesting to think about. Um, my, I grew up with a runner too. My dad was a marathoner, you know, way, way back when like not too many people were doing it. He was actually doing it uh, when I was a kid. And so my first run was that when I was four years old, I remember running alongside a, an airport, like a flat road and, you know, the airports were there anyways. Um, so he was into marathoning and fitness. So it's like, it's always been in my, always been in kind of like my awareness um, but I didn't personally really start running regularly until, uh, the first year of high school. And I've been running ever since. So I just joined the cross country team there. A friend kind of said, Hey, you should come out to it. And I said, okay, sure. You know, I, I, I know about running my dad's a runner. Right. So 
did it and uh wasn't really great at it you know at first uh or anything like that but um just just stuck with it because i loved it and um and uh, eventually got to the point where like i was also happy with how i was doing and how i was performing in that too which in some ways can bring more fun you know in a way right like you're you see yourself meeting goals and stuff um and uh so yeah that's just how i how i got started with it really i mean again running's always been in my awareness i remember back when i was i guess 10 or something like that they uh at school they had a little thing where they they had they all asked us what's your favorite sport what's your favorite sport to do and i just said running and i wasn't even a runner or anything at that point i was actually kind of like an overweight kid you know who just wasn't really that active really but i said no if i was gonna do any sport it's it's running i really like running and uh and so here we are here i am still talking about it all these years later so yeah i just loved it you know what it was a lot of fun too and with running kind of like what you talked about with your like the training groups and stuff that you're that you're aware of uh, i started running even though most of my running now is by myself i started running as a team sport and training with my friends at school getting to meet people um you know meeting guys meeting girls which was a draw for me at the time too because it was a co-ed team right of course right so uh, it was just a lot of fun we had some of my best i think my best high school memories to be honest with you are associated with cross country and track and field teams and, and trips we went on and things we did together so that also really, you know, just brought up a bunch of different uh, good feelings about running that I've just been able to maintain in different ways over the years. So I know that there's uh, there are people who do like the social running around the block and then, you know, they'll go for a longer run. Some people do the half marathons or full marathons, but you kind of take it a little bit of a step further. Um, I'd say you're a little crazy to go this far when some of your stuff, but uh how did you get from being just a social runner to a long distance trail runner? Like how did that transition happen? Yeah. Um, I don't you know. It's, it's been gradual, I think. Um, yeah. It's been a gradual process. I mean, I, again, I, on the one hand, when I started running, like it was in a, an environment that was supposed to be like, even though it was fun and everybody was there for fun in high school, it was still a competitive thing, right? The whole point was to compete and to win for your team and all this stuff. So I think right off the bat, I kind of got um, socialized or whatever, structured that my running became like, that's what it's about. It's about being fast, right? It's about being as fast as you possibly can and doing the best you can. And I think in a healthy way, it's not, I know some people can take it way too far. I don't think I do. Um, but you know, also starting with cross country in high school, that's when you're running like in like forests and stuff already. Um, it, it just was like a, it was just so, it was just so awesome. You're out there in nature um, in the fall. So the leaves are changing, leaves are falling. Even to this day, like to even to like literally yesterday, I, I thought about this as I was running, <laughs> that there's, there's different smells in the air right now, just the leaves and stuff that remind me of cross country in high school, right? It always brings me right back. So anyway, yeah. so I, I kind of started running this environment and uh, just always thought like, wow, like this is just so amazing. And I wonder what it'd be like to like, you know, to go further, to go longer or like to see other places like way out in the wilderness, like just running because you can see things that you don't see in a car. Right. And I got a little hint of this kind of when I did a, a wilderness a canoe trip with my friends at Algonquin Park in high school, like just kind of like the, the typical sort of canoe trip four day kind of thing. And we went pretty far and, uh, you know, there's portaging and canoeing and stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is so amazing. This is so fun. And you're seeing such beautiful places. Um, and uh, it was just, uh, you know, just always something that I kind of thought of like, hmm, 
you know, that would be really cool to do like on foot as a runner. But for so many years, I was just running on the roads uh, after high school. Um, uh, you know, the way that things go in life, like I just became a road runner uh, and I entered races and I, you know, I ran different races all over the place, but I never really ran trails. I, I did one trail race once, loved it. I went out too fast, but still it still, was, it was awesome, even though I felt like garbage at the end of it. Um, but, uh, but in that, in that race bag, they give you like a bag with all different stuff, like free, free samples of stuff. There was a trail running magazine and, uh, I read it like from cover to cover. I probably still have it somewhere. And just like thought, yeah, like that thing that I thought would be so fun. People actually do like they go for good long distance runs in beautiful areas just for the fun of it. It's not even necessarily races all the time. Um, and there was a whole subculture and I'm like, I thought that'd be so cool, but I didn't really know how to get into it. And so for years and years and years, um, like I didn't really trail run. I didn't know where to go. You know, I just thought, oh, it'd be something cool to do. And eventually, um, I realized that, you know, like there was a, a local trail running series that, that had that somebody organized just outside of the town I live in. And I thought, oh, okay, here's an opportunity. So I got into it, got to know some people. They told me about other trails that I could run on. I started running on those trails, ran in the trail running series, had it a blast doing it. And from there, just built up my, like my endurance and my experience and my equipment to do like the longer stuff that I kind of always envisioned, like even like like literally 20 years ago or whatever it was that I was thinking of, oh, that'd be cool to do and just kind of work towards it. And like now I've been able to do it. Like even this year, I've been able to do some stuff that I always sort of dreamed of and thought would be, it would be really great to do. And like, I've been able to do it and be able to also to like carefully, you know, build my fitness to the point where I can do that. Cause the trail, like the road races I used to do were just really short, like 5k type things. Um, now I can go a lot longer, you know, for, for runs. So, yeah, I don't know if that really answers or if there's any other details, really. That was no, great. It's, it's awesome. And I can, I can feel your passion coming off. Like you're, I can, like anyone listening right now knows that you love this. Um, yeah. <laughs> for those who are listening, because not everyone is a runner and they, you know, they hear cross country, road running, yeah. trail running, um, right. and there is a difference. So can we talk yeah. a little bit, can you explain how trail running differs from track or road? Um, and then how much effort is involved transitioning between the two and just preparing for the different types yeah. of, of races that you do? Yeah, there's so many differences, so many different kinds of races you can get into too, which I also found, which was fascinating and like so fun. But um, so basically trail running and road running, I mean, it's, it sounds like, like what it sounds is what it is. Like with road running, it's probably what a lot of people typically think of. It's, it's the most accessible, right? I think from at least for right. those of us living in, in the suburbs or whatever, right? Like there's, there's mm -hmm. a road, there's a sidewalk, you run on it, right? Make a route and then you run. So, but trail running, uh, of course, involves going into, usually it's like forest or, or some kind of natural area. You're running on natural services, which are really uneven. Uh, trail tends to be a lot hillier. Even if it's a relatively flat trail, there might be more kind of uh, uneven pieces and grade, like different grades and stuff that, that make it a lot harder actually in terms of effort. So you'll find that if you're transitioning between the two, like if you're starting as a road runner, you're probably gonna run at a slower pace as a trail runner, uh, like most people do. In fact, probably pretty much everybody does. Um, there's also more obstacles. There's like rocks and roots, depending on where you run, um, where you go. And so you kind of have to navigate those and be careful around them. Like you, there are some people like the pros can just like whip over them, but you know, the rest of us mortals, we kind of have to tiptoe and be careful or else we'll, 
like destroy our ankles or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do find that, especially for longer efforts that trail running is actually easier on like the joints. So even though it takes greater effort, like more energy, um, it's easier, like on your knees, maybe your ankles, your hips, just because it's a softer surface and you're not pounding on the road so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and you're also like varying the way you're running because you're running uphills, downhills, you know, running around different things, uh, dealing with rocks and roots and all that kind of stuff, stream crossings or whatever there, whatever there happens to be. Um, and so you're using your muscles in a different way, whereas road running, it's just, it's very repetitive. It's the same motion for the whole run that you're doing pretty much. So that's a, that, those are some big differences there. And I think that, um, yeah, like, like I think people get surprised at how much harder trail running feels like when you're running up some of those steep hills or, um, so that takes an adjustment for sure. And I think also there's a technicality aspect. I'm still learning myself. I mean, I've been doing trail running now for a number of years, but I still feel like I'm still learning how to run in really technical places. Um, there's a lot of skill that's involved and, in, and, in, in, and, uh, yeah, I don't know how else to say it, like rocks and roots, like, like where there's a lot of them, like you really have to be careful. Um, and so there's certain skills like that that you kind of have to learn. And then depending on how far out you're going, you have to learn about things like nutrition, which might not be as much of a, an issue for road runners so much. Um, you know, it would be for like people who are going like super, super long, like ultra distances, of course, it'd be probably mm-hmm. pretty similar. But I find that if for trail running, it's, it's even shorter distances, like a like like a 20k which isn't considered an ultra i know it's long but it's not considered an ultra a 20 on the roads i can do with some water like i literally did that yesterday but if i was to, if i was to go on a trail and i'm not saying under bragging way it's just like yeah hey, i just drank water and i was fine but if i was to try to run 20k on a trail like the bruce trail or, or some of the local trails i would need to make sure i have something to eat and the, as well as the water because i would just be i would just burn out of energy a lot quicker because it's so much harder so, yeah, so there's, and there's other pieces too that we could talk about. I mean, I kind of wanted to say that there's like with trail running, there's like snowshoe running that you can do, which is a form of trail running in the snow with running snowshoes. It's amazing. It's so fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, there's mountain running, which is, I guess, like trail running, but just with bigger hills, like really, really big, massive hills. And so it's, it's like a whole different fitness, but amazing. There's orienteering, which you can actually do on roads too, but um, a lot of times it's in, it's in like forested environments where you're going with them with a map and compass and trying to find checkpoints. And, uh, and a lot of times you can also see obstacle course racing too, where there's like things you have to climb over and under and, and all that kind of stuff, which is also associated with trail running. So depending on how much you get into that stuff, there's even more things to learn and, and figure out and work on fitness wise. But, um, yeah, it's just, a a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm just picturing all of the different things that you get to see while you're trail running too. Like yes. for me and my exercise, I don't like doing the same thing all the time. So it gets yeah. a little too mundane. And I feel like when you're trail running, you, there's always something new to see in the seasons. And exactly. And yeah. It's amazing. I mean, so, you know, you could run in the same forest all year long and see something like new perspectives of it every time you go like literally there's a forest not too far from where I live where I run and do most of my trail running training in uh, just because it's close by and it looks different and and day to day week to week it can be completely different um and so there's things you notice even within a place like that um it's pretty it's pretty cool as, as opposed to like I don't know training in a gym where everything looks the same all the time yeah 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 when I find that I'm on the trails I'm I 
I'm more mentally aware of what's happening, uh, you know, yes. watching out for the roots and the trees and the stuff like that. Yep. So your mind kind of goes and focuses on that where everything else that was kind of, you know, weighing on you tends to disappear because you are focusing so much on the path that you're taking. And, you know, you go to right. one path and it's, it's great in the morning. It's great in the evening. It's different when it rains, it smells different yeah. every time of the year. And, you know, sometimes you can just kind of get lost on the road, but then you find totally new things whenever you're on a trail, the same thing. I mean, we go, yeah. I go to Island Lake on a regular basis and, you know, you do that loop constantly and you're like, Oh, there's new birds or this yeah. is new, or like there's exactly. a new poison Ivy sign. Don't know why that's exciting, but you right. just need to watch out for stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true, right? I feel like there is a different sense of awareness that you can have um, that you that that you kind of need, <laughs> um, yeah. like on trails, especially if you're trying to move at, at a, you know at a fast pace. Even but even like a, a slower pace too, you also have to be really aware. And you're right; it kind of draws you into the present moment, um, as opposed to just sort of thinking about other things. So, yeah, you're really just focused a lot of times on the beauty that's around you, or just like you said, the things that you're noticing. Um, and it's true that that can be really, really helpful with like mental health. And in yeah. fact, it's something that we try to teach our, our clients, right? Like how to be more mindful of just stuff that they're doing in their daily lives um, uh, as a way to kind of stave off some of the negative thoughts and, and feelings that they could have. And uh, as a way also to learn how to regulate themselves. And so we get to do that when we're just doing our little trail running or, or walking or hiking or whatever, like we're, we're actually doing those same pieces that uh, that have been found even through research to be really helpful for people. Mm-hmm. Brent, you took the question right out of my mouth because that's exactly what I want to tap into because I really want to know how you teach people mindfulness um, because we know, you know, like you said, the research is really uh, overwhelmingly talking about mindfulness, but how do you integrate mindfulness when you're jumping over a log or, you know, navigating things like how would you teach a client who's struggling with mental health issues, mindfulness, the, the, the quick and dirty version, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, like in the context of, of like, of trail running, for instance, or, you know, just being out in the forest, whether you're running or not, it really is kind of like what we've been talking about, just uh, encouraging people to be aware of what's happening around them, right? And and uh, and in some ways, like there, you have a task in front of you where you kind of have to do that. Like you have to do some navigating maybe, or you have to watch out for the rocks or the roots. Um, and then like, I feel like the forests and the fields is kind of demanded because of the beauty, right? Like, it's like, Hey, look at me, like, look at this beautiful tree right here, or look at this incredible mushroom or this weird snake on the ground. Right. Like, so I see, yeah, I just, a lot of times it's, it's just encouraging people to get out there, um, and, uh, and, and have it as a practice that they do. Cause I do have clients, for instance, who I encourage to go for walks and, uh, you know, whether or not they have access to a forest is, is one thing, but, um, sometimes they even have anxiety and stuff when they're walking through a forest, just because they have different anxieties about various kind of related things, but it's an, it's that encouragement to say, okay, be in the moment and take a look at the leaves. Like literally I had this conversation with clients last week in that group, actually, that I was talking to you about where, where, where I was encouraging them. Yeah. You know, go outside. And even when you're walking your kid to school, cause that's a common thing that a lot of them share. They're, they're all mothers. Um, just look at the leaves and look at the sky of what's happening right now. 
And then, so their, their homework literally is to do that this week and then report back to me at the group on Thursday, what, what it was like, what they've noticed. So it's just helping people just, just to notice what's happening in the present day. And you can do that even with things like brushing your teeth or eating your dinner, right? Like there's, you could really, it's really just about paying attention to whatever it is you're doing in the moment um, and encouraging people to do that and kind of challenging them and then helping them to not judge themselves if, if their like awareness strays something somewhere else or if they're kind of like getting distracted by something else. Um, so yeah, so really that's what it's about. Just kind of reminding them, bring them back to the present moment and even practicing that in the session too, um, where we're like, okay, so how are you feeling right now? Like what's going on in your body right now? And uh, there's times you can build a whole session just around that, which again, uh, has just so many positive elements in terms of how it helps people to regulate their emotions. I, so again, I love that. That's just a question, but that, yeah, that's yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. Not everybody's runners, you know, and, and certainly yeah. there's a lot of people out there that hate running, but they like something. And I'm yeah. sure with the people that you deal with, going outside can be really daunting, especially if you're living in the city, you're a refugee, this right. is a new culture. So what are some, like you talked about brushing your teeth and stuff, but what are some things that people can do with regards to mindfulness when they're, you know, homebound or something because of COVID or because of their life situation? Right. So, I mean, there could be like one of the things we'd talk about is, you know, are there any like um, um, hobbies that they like doing? Right. And so, again, not to stereotype because my clients are really diverse, but a lot of the clients I work with are are people who really enjoy cooking. They, and it's a big part of their life. And so it's like when you're cooking, like notice what you're smelling or notice the food in your hands as you're preparing it. Right. Like so bringing it to the senses or notice what you're seeing, you know, seeing the food change as it's cooking, right? Or whatever, right? Things like that. So drawing their attention to just their daily activities that they would normally be doing anyways and that they enjoy doing um, can go a long way in, in really building that mindfulness. And then there's going to be some people, um, and this is not a shaming thing at all, but some people are, uh, you know, their their level of awareness of this stuff is, is at the point where it's like all where we start with them is we say, Hey, you know what? Look around the room right now. What do you notice in the room that you're, that you're in? Right. And just like, like look at the color of the walls. What color is, is the wall in front of you? Right. Or um, what, what are five things that you can see? And then you can talk about things that they can hear and things that they can maybe smell or things that they can touch. Right. Like, like in my case, the chair or the floor that my feet are, my feet are on. Right. Um, so just encouraging people to pay attention to just the present moment and what's going on for them in that moment right then and there and slowing it down. Like, I feel like I'm the way that I'm explaining, it, I'm like rushing through it just to make sure that the podcast isn't boring or something. But um, <laughs> but in a session, we really slow that right down and spend like a few minutes just noticing where you are, like noticing what's happening around you in that in that very moment um, and then noticing what's happening in the body too. Right. Um, noticing what's happening in their breath. Um, noticing their body temperature or do they have any sensations in their body um, there's there's all kinds of different therapeutic modalities that actually start with with that and then you build it from there um, and again it really helps people to feel grounded and um, less anxiety i love it yeah I so think, uh, yeah sorry dave go ahead no it's uh it's great i think we're all learning a ton uh, with the things that you're saying, which is super interesting because looking at things from a different person's point of view is uh, always a great way uh, to learn and to grow. I think one thing that uh, we, we can all agree on is physical activity is important. Um, 
And is there something that you have found where doing a workout inside, maybe doing the same workout outside can maybe impact people differently or, you know, going for a walk on a treadmill versus going to walk around the block, how those two differences of just fresh air versus stagnant air can really impact someone uh, physically and mentally. Yeah. I mean, I think I have a bias, um, but I, I do want to say, first of all, that, you know, if the only exercise you can do is indoors, like let's say because of anxiety or just because of what you have access to, right. Um, then that's better than nothing for sure. That's amazing. Right. Like keep doing it. And there's people who are like incredibly fit and um, benefit so much from, from doing indoor working out. Like I have a client, he, he uh, does weights uh, at a gym indoors and that's his form of exercise and self-care. And it's, it's so helpful to him with uh, regulating his feelings and, and uh, his anxiety that he's got pretty, you know, pretty big anxiety. Um, but him doing that workout or those workouts, like on a daily basis really helps him. Right. Right. Um, but I will say that I do, I do think, and maybe it's just my own experience, but I think that there's like research that backs this up too, that, you know, outdoor exercise, there's just additional pieces that, that come with that, I think. Right. And I think that there's a connection to nature and to the outdoors that, people do find really soothing or they can find really soothing. Right. And so I think that there's that it's kind of like that old adage. I don't know. Like people say, you never find anybody grumpy. Like when you're hiking on the trail, everybody's always happy. Everybody's always nice and polite. And it's like nine, 99 times out of a hundred. It's actually true. Right. Like there's, I think there's different endorphins that get released when you're exercising, but maybe even more so when you're, when you're out in beautiful spaces um, or, or outside. And like you said, getting fresh air, right. Um, you feel less cooped up. Like I've gone months during this pandemic where the furthest I've gone is just on my runs because there was nowhere else to go really. Right. And all the amenities are close to my home. So like the furthest that I went away from my house was on a run. And, but yet it feels like, Oh, it really broke up my day really nicely. I was able to get out somewhere and do something different and kind of change up the energy a bit. Um, and I think that sometimes, yeah, it's, it's easier to do that outside than, than indoors. Um, of course, there's also things like getting vitamin D, right, from from the sunlight, which is helpful if you're exercising outside, you know, during the days. Um, the most of the exercise I do is outside. Um, I don't do very much indoors unless it's like really, really, really bad weather. Uh, but even then, sometimes I'll work out in my garage and open the garage door and it still feels like I'm outside with some like fresh air coming in. Right. So, yeah. So again, it might be maybe a little bit less of a scientific answer, although I think there are like scientific things that talk about this. But, um, but yeah, I think that there's just some added benefits to going outside if you're able to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I will have to say that 0.1% of people who are grumpy on a trail is my son because oh, he, does okay. not like, <laughs> he does not like hiking with me. Um, right. But, yeah. but most people, you know, you hear those outdoor <laughs> athletes and enthusiasts, like they refer to the trail or to the outdoors or whatever as their church right yes so I've that heard that, yeah definitely. so or or blank or whatever right yeah. um yeah. so do you find that more people are finding that spiritual connection to the outdoors yeah i i do feel like a lot of people um they find that connection too so there's an added piece as well right and it could just be like a greater awareness of the natural world and our responsibility towards it right so there's that aspect um, there is something about the beauty of, of, of these natural spaces and 
what that inspires in people, right? That really helps them to feel kind of connected spiritually in various ways, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they are even of a faith group and they believe in a creator or whatever, and they see that creator reflected in their, you know, in what they're seeing too. So there's that kind of connection too, I think sometimes as well. Um, and there's honestly, like even, even in natural areas locally where it might not really seem it's all that dramatic, like you can look at something like, like a leaf or a flower or just a bug crawling along. And it's just amazing if you actually stop and look at it. So I think it inspires awe that way. And yeah, a sense that we're all kind of connected and that we're connected to the earth. Um, mm. So there's definitely a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of trail runners who are like really environmentally, like, you know, um, aware and not just environmentally aware, but also attach like a spiritual element to it too. So yeah, definitely something that I've heard. But it's true. Like when I was, uh, when my kids were younger, even sometimes these days, they might be the grumpy ones in the trails too. So I, I can I can relate to what you're saying, especially when they're little and they're just like, oh, I'm tired. I, you know, <laughs> got to carry them the rest of the way or whatever. And they're crying. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's still so important, though. And I will still take him out. You know, I won't take him yeah. for like a 10K walk, but just get him outside in the forest. I think it's important for any age if they're able to, to, yeah. to be outside. For sure. Definitely. Brent, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. So forgive me if none sure. comes to your mind right away, but um, I often get motivated by other people and, um, you know, just seeing them do things uh, motivates me to get out when I don't want to. And I also love quotes. Uh, I also teach and I love, love quotes. Um, and one of my favorite ones um, is by Dr. William Standish and his movement is, is the, the breath of life. Um, and I think about that often. Do you have anything that you tuck in your arsenal when you're maybe, you know, not feeling all that great or need to go out? That's kind of a quote that you can live, that you can leave us with. Mm. In relation to like motivating me to work out or something or. You, you got it. Cause there are days when you just, I know that you just don't want to step outside and you, you know, <laughs> maybe you tell yourself or you read something or there's something that you do right get you outside yeah well you know it kind of depends um sometimes it's related to specific so this will be like for a subset of people listening to this it can be related to like uh maybe a race that i'm training for or something right and it's kind of like if you want to do that race like if you want to survive it and do or do well in the race or meet your goals like you have to do this workout brent so it's not a very you know kind of a nice spiritually fluffy quote or, or anything that really like, I don't know if I have any really nice quotes like that that come to mind, but that attitude of like, you, you just got to get out there. You've got to get it done. If you want to meet your goal, you have to do this. So just get out there and just go for it. Right. So there's, there's that kind of idea. And then on other days where that I'm not really putting that same pressure, I guess, on myself, um, it, it's kind of like, you know what, you can give it a try and you can come home if you're not really feeling good, but give it a try and you're likely going to feel better after doing this. Right. So I don't have a really nice, neat and tidy way to put that together, but it's that kind of idea. Like, yeah, just get out there, run for a kilometer or two, see how you feel. And uh, you're probably going to feel better and you'll probably keep going. And that usually is what happens. Like, I yeah. feel a Nike ad, just do it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the first one almost, right? Like, you know, you have to do it. So just get out there and go for it. Right. And then, yeah, it's also at the same time. Yeah. Just give it a try and uh, you're going to, you're going to feel better. So just go, just go for it and, and, and see what happens. And, uh, yeah, that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. 
we talk about goals a lot on this show. Um, and one of the, one of the goals that you've talked about a lot was all of the different runs. So can we talk about some of the runs that you've done and some of the ones that might have been bucket list items? Sure. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's been some, there's some really cool opportunities, even here in Canada, um, for doing like trail races and things that you can get involved in. Um, so for instance, uh, earlier, or at, at, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say it like that, but, uh, at some point in this interview, we talk about, uh, uh, bucket list runs and stuff like that. And, uh, there's this run in Quebec that I did out just uh, out, out by Mont Saint-Anne, if people know where that is just east of Quebec city. I did it just this past summer. It was uh, kind of like a race or a run that I've wanted to do my whole life. Like this kind of idea. It was like a point to point course, uh, 50 kilometers um, with mountain climbs, like Quebec mountains are, are pretty, you know, pretty good for sure. Um, and uh, incredibly tough terrain at one section, like, I don't know, it was like 12 kilometers of just straight up boulders that you're just kind of climbing over incredible forest stream cost crossings just beautiful like just amazing and it was really hard and it wasn't like I was like the winner at or anything like that not even close but um but for me it was just the experience of going out there and doing this just this idea that I've always wanted to do just going for a, a cool long run in, in beautiful natural area so there's things like that there's uh there's an orienteering race that I've done with my with my eldest son uh whenever it's offered it was unfortunately they had to take a, a break of at least one year due to covid but prior to that we did it like i don't know seven or eight years in a row it's a snowshoe orienteering race so you go out into a forest in the middle of winter dead of winter up in the collingwood area so north of north of where i live um kind of a, a very hilly mountainous beautiful area you know lots of forests and they hide checkpoints in the forest and you find them with the map and compass for three hours out in like the middle of nowhere with snow everywhere it's just it's just beautiful and you're, and you're doing it with I'm doing it with my son which is just so fun to do with him right so so things like that um so sorry and, for that one are you yeah. running in snowshoes yes yeah it's it's running yeah, That's yeah. Oh, you can walk can too walk. I guess <laughs> yeah. they do have running snowshoes that are lighter than the typical snowshoes and they're a little smaller right so it's it's a little bit easier to run in but it's true that they are they are uh yeah awkward you kind of have to get used to running with them yeah, that's sure. amazing. Yeah, uh, I've gotten the chance to compete in the Canadian Mountain Running Championships a few times. Um, so I got to do that in BC, running up a uh, Kicking Horse Mountain. If anybody's familiar with that mountain, you, you run from the bottom to the top. Um, just amazing, beautiful. You you end it like at the top of the mountain. I did it in June, but the top of the mountain was zero degrees with snow everywhere. Right, so it's just amazing. Like just really cool to see. Like you're that high up above tree line and stuff um but again like even in ontario there's just so many different other trail races and things you can do and in quebec too for that matter that are just uh really awesome and in fact some of the things some of the best memories are just going out for good decent length runs not too far like just in my local forest or even just like on the bruce trail which isn't too far from where i live too um yeah so there's all kinds of different things that you can do you can kind of find adventure in your own backyard if you if you kind of know where to look um, so yeah, that's, those are just some of like the trail oriented things that I've had the chance to do that have been really awesome. That's now awesome. I know you've done some great trails, but I think there's one more thing that you've accomplished that you should toot your own horn about. Uh, you're also a magazine cover model. Is this true? <laughs> apparently? Yes. Yes, I am. Not apparently I have the magazine. It's yeah. It's there just you go. Yeah. So there's this, 
<laughs> it's bizarre. Like, I, I don't think I deserve it. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, there's this mountain. It's literally called Mountain Running Magazine out of the USA. And uh, they approached me and said, hey, can we write an article about you? And, and I don't even really know how it came about. I think, yeah, I don't even know how it really came about. I mean, so, so they wrote an article just asking about my different mountain running uh, experiences. And um, for a lot of mountain runners, they do tend to go the ultra route. And, and I have too, at least to that one race in Quebec. But most of my races have actually been shorter mountain races, like mountain, like the Canadian mountain running championships that I've done, for instance, are like 10 or 12K or something, right? So, um, so yeah, so they put me on the cover. Like, you know, I had to submit some pictures or whatever, and then they chose one for the cover, which was hilarious. Um, and that's when I had my big beard. Um, so the beard got immortalized on the cover, which was pretty awesome. But uh um yeah so uh, yeah it, it was quite an experience to be interviewed by the magazine certainly something i it's a really cool thing to kind of have just as a keepsake but um yeah probably definitely like a one-time thing <laughs> we'll see you on another magazine cover i'm sure soon yeah well yeah you never know right yeah we'll see if lightning strikes again but uh, certainly not certainly not my goal i'm just trying to run just because i love it so much so um and i definitely don't claim to be anything you know, really special with that or anything like that. So do you have a destination that is an, is like a bucket list destination run that you're hoping to do sometime? Yes, I do. Yeah. You caught me. Yeah. Um, so I, I have been to Poland. Um, they call it Krakow. We would call it Krakow in English. Um, beautiful city. Uh, Auschwitz is close by. Um, so you can go visit. But anyways, an hour and a half, South of, of Krakow is, are the, the Tatra Mountains. And uh, last time my wife and I were there, we, we could hike, we got a chance to hike just the bottom of it, just a few kilometers in the bottom. And stunning, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous place. Just love it. And I just love that whole region. Um, the history is amazing. I, I, I like learning about history. So, you know, you pair it with a trip to Auschwitz and it's just like incredible, right? And the, and the actual Krakow town is amazing, beautiful. But I want to run there. They have races there. I know of at least two races they have in that region that I'm like watching on Instagram. And uh, I, I don't know when it's, I'm going to ever have a chance to go. It's just sort of a matter of getting there in the summer when they have these races. And, you know, travel is, is, is possible right now, but it kind of goes up and down. You're not really sure. Right. So to make plans right now would be, you know, hard. But that would be a race like uh, they have the Tatra. It's like they call it a sky marathon or sky race. I would love to do that one day that probably would be a, a high up on my list. Kind of kind of random. I know it's not one of the big ones like UTMB is a really famous race or the Barkley Marathons. A lot of people know about that or Hard Rock, like all these races that people are really familiar with. I don't know if that's really, like those are all really cool, but I think they're out of my wheelhouse distance wise. Like I, hundred miles, this is, yeah, not really kind of what I do so much, but I could probably, you know, if I had a chance to do 42K Tatra Sky run in Poland, I would be like, thrilled i'm gonna say this too there's another race don't get me going on races i'll talk all day <laughs> but there is another race and i'm actually signed up for it and the pandemic messed it all up and then maybe it'll still happen right so in 2022 in june there's a race in alberta and it's the first sky race that's going to happen in canada it's called meet the minotaur and uh i'm signed up for the 33k which doesn't sound like much like you did a 50k race brent quebec like so how can you like 33k should be nothing right but no it's it's like the, the most technical stuff I, I 
faced in Quebec, which is only like a few kilometers, but multiplied with a higher altitude and bigger climbs. And so it's going to take longer even than probably what the Quebec race will take. So, um, so yeah, so there's that race too. It's kind of on the bucket list. I'm already signed up. It's just a matter of getting there when it happens and uh, it not being canceled. It's been canceled two years in a row now because of COVID. So wow. hopefully, you know, hopefully things will work out and uh, yeah, you'll see me, you know, with these, Dave will see me with pictures on the mountain, just like, what am I doing? But still <laughs> loving, <laughs> loving every second of it too, I hope. Yeah, yeah. So that's another big race. How do you train for a big mountain race like that when we live in Ontario where yeah. we have hills here, but nothing quite like that? Nothing like that. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so it's not like I travel to like train in, in like really exotic locations or anything. Like I do most of my training just here within a 50 kilometer radius of my home and literally like to train for mountains. I just do a lot of hill repeats, which sounds really boring. You run up and down, like there's a hill, in my local forest it's pretty good like it's okay so people are people are familiar with with mountain running are gonna laugh but it's like 40 45 meters elevation which is really nothing like it's really nothing it's nothing uh, there's bigger hills outward like dave lives like you know i kind of have an idea where he lives and there's bigger hills out there that i sometimes get to run to but so this hill i just run up and down up and down up and down just over and over and over again and i found that in Quebec, like when I did my mountain race, we had mountain climbs, which were many, many times longer than that. And I did really well, actually, kind of surprisingly, because I consider myself, oh, this Flatlander Ontario guy, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yet, I guess because of the training, like I was able to, to do pretty good, feel really good on the mountain. Um, yeah, and, and do pretty good. I did another, um, I just had a confirmation. Like I did another smaller run in Quebec actually a couple of weeks ago. It's not like I'm going to Quebec all the time. I've only been to Quebec twice this year, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, I got to do this run there. And again, my strongest part was probably the, a big uphill running up Mont Tremblant from bottom to top for those of you who are familiar with it. Um, and it's just because I, was, I just do repeats here. And then I also have a box. So like a, People will do like step ups or, or box jumps on them. Like a lot of CrossFit people do that. So I have my own box just in my garage and I just do a lot of step ups on that and um, box jumps sometimes too. And mm. uh, that helps. And actually too, I, I find that, so I do hill repeats and I actually do hill repeats on a, a regular, on a local road hill too, even closer than the trail that I can run to. But um, I also find that doing speed work uh, is an important part too because it builds a lot of the same muscles it you know um builds a lot of strength so i still retain some of that speed work kind of approach that i got like in track and cross country and uh it seems to work pretty well with with trail running too yeah. awesome. kind of a nerdy nerdy running answer but that's that's it <laughs> yeah. yeah i think there's a little bit of nerd in all of us yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but the one thing you can't really mimic too much is like high elevation, like altitude, like how it affects your lungs and oxygen and stuff. Like they say that humidity, which we have a lot of in the summer in Ontario, can (laughs) feel kind of similar to it. So you can run, I do run in the hottest part of the days a lot of times. Just, it's just fits my schedule. It's not really intentional. Um, So that might help a little bit too, but, um, but yeah, I think that you really can't mimic that too much. So it's just the, the muscular stuff that I can kind of mimic by doing those repeats and some of those other exercises and yeah just uh, preparing the, the same muscles that you would use on a hill maybe not exactly. as steep of a hill but 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or as long, the big thing is the length of the hill too, right? Like there's nothing in Ontario. You have to just go up and down a bunch of times, but yeah, you go into Quebec or out West, it's like you're up, you're climbing for so, so long. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Brent, I think uh, I can speak on uh, everyone's behalf and say that we've actually, uh, we're going to take a lot away from this, um, not just uh, from the three of us, but probably those who are listening as well. Um, so I, I really want to thank you for that. We always let our guests um, do shameless plugs at the end, bring attention to things that they're passionate about. So here's your time to shine. Um, right. You can let people know kind of where you are, what you're doing, uh, or some things that you really want to bring attention to. So um, the floor is yours. Please go ahead. Uh, let people know what uh, what's going on. Okay, I, you know, this is a bit of a spur of the moment, um, but I made reference to this group that I'm, I'm facilitating. And uh, so, so I will say this much, it's, it's with the Yazidi people. So, so they're a group in Northern Iraq, again, not going into any detail, but they had a lot, a lot of hardship caused by ISIS, big time, like terrible, terrible stuff. And so there's a woman who's a survivor from that culture group her name is Nadia Murad, and she has something called Nadia's Initiative. I'm not connected to this at all. I don't work for them or anything. But uh, if people want to check out, you know, and donate and like give to the cause to, you know, to support these people, um, it would be really amazing. I don't I'm not I'm not Yazidi myself or anything like that. But just, um, yeah, like like they they really, really need to support. And uh, I guess the loving kindness of, of humankind to like come around them. Um, during the losses that they've experienced the last few years. And um, yeah, I just really, really feel passionately about that. So I thought I would, yeah, just share that. That might be just a good way to kind of um, tie this up and bring it all together. Not really much to do about running, I guess, um, but certainly uh, something worthy to, to look into. And uh, they're on Instagram, Nadia's Initiative, um, probably Facebook too, I don't know. Um, so you can definitely Google it and uh, check it out. We'll She's, try written and book too. She's written a book too called i think i believe it's called the last girl but anyways nadia murad m-u-r-a-d and uh, you can uh, i'm sure if you google it i would all come up by the time this comes out i'm sure we'll be able to track it down and put the links in the, the, in the sure. description below for sure thank you just just as talented she can pull that stuff off so <laughs> that's good i just googled it it's the last girl by nadia murad yes um winner of the nobel peace prize whoa yes. wow yeah it's a big deal it's a big deal and it's it, i will say this as much as i've been really careful about sharing details about stuff it, it's a heavy read if you're going to get the book but you can also just give to the initiative maybe read about it a little bit on the website and just get an idea of what they're dealing with these are the people who are living in our communities and so these are the people that i'm working with these kinds of folks um and so they're all around us here in ontario canada where i where i live and uh you know, they need our support too in, in whatever way possible. So, yeah. That's fantastic. And I, I figured that was probably where you're going to go at the end of this where, you know, you can plug something. So I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate your honesty. I appreciate uh, the wisdom that you brought uh, tonight. So thank you very much for that. Um, I'm truly thankful uh, for getting to see you again and uh, for learning from you. So again, Brent, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah, hope it was uh, hope it was fun for you. Thank you for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Food and Fitness Podcast. Join us next week when the hosts of the Food and Fitness Podcast sit down to reflect in our team huddle episode. 